right. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> we had a lot of fun uh, putting that together, but seriously, there are so many of you that volunteer and make this church what it is today. And so thank you for what you do, whether you serve at the greeting, tech, um, you know, in back in kids and students, uh, the bands. Uh, you know, we get paid, I think, a little bit, some. Uh, but really, it's the volunteers uh, that make this church what it is. Um, and today, we're doing something a little different, if you didn't notice, right? Kids, student takeover service. The volunteers, actually, many of them are students. Um, back in tech, uh, the band, like we got uh, one on bands, a few different people around. Uh, we're doing th it's mixing things up and having a little fun today. You guys okay with that? Yeah? Okay. So this is the part where we get a silly string, everybody? Oh, yeah. We, they did it to us. At camp. I know. Like, can we do it? That's all them? <laughs> no, we won't do that to you today. No, because uh, we have to clean it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we wouldn't want to do that to the volunteers either. <laughs> yeah, we would. To the volunteers, you bet. We want to clean it up. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to take a little bit of time talking about this idea of being it's personal, um, uh, which is kind of the theme for today. Um, you know, I, I was a teen once, uh, and there was somebody, a few people actually, that invested in my life um, and made me who I am today. Um, Dave Miller was one of those guys. Um, you know, uh, week after week, he was the guy that I would go to over to his house, um, and he would be a Bible sub teacher and listen to me as a, a high school student with questions. Um, and he would explain the Bible and, and, and things about it. And um, he would also sit with me and pray with me through some difficult weeks um, in high school and struggling with friends or different things that were going on. He was a guy, a volunteer that invested in my life. Um, and, and then I, I know that there's so many other names that I could name. Um, and it really has driven me to kind of go, you know what? It's my turn. It's my turn to try to do that for somebody else. But it's hard, isn't it? To do that. Like the, the, I think all of us at times, as we get older, it, we kind of start to lean towards something that, that maybe prevents us from doing that in somebody else's life. Um, you know, in middle school, we develop these coping mechanisms when life gets hard. We develop certain things that we lean into when that life does throw us curveballs. And when things happen in our lives, we're just like, oh, how do I deal with this? Um, and for now, I, I just want to kind of call it the shallow way. That's the first bullet point that, that really for you to fill in your notes there. Um, it, we want to unpack this, uh, what that really might look like. And we call it the shallow way. Now, hear us out. You know, sometimes being shallow has incredible benefits. Um, you know, a little bit of shallow allows us to smile politely at someone that we may or may not want to hang out with. Um, it, it allows us to have some small talk with people as we're getting to know them. Uh, it's also, you know, can we spill our coffee on the way to work and we have to give this really good presentation? We can, you know, we can be a little shallow about that um, instead of yelling at our kids, which is usually I blame them for those moments because I'm, but I'm the one driving. Um, Shallow might also be the reason you throw a little filter on your photo uh, when you're put, posting that Instagram or Facebook photo, right? Me, I get up there, I, f I, I do that, and I make sure the laundry... Well, this week I didn't make sure the laundry was cleaned up behind me. My wife was sick all week, <laughs> and I had to do the laundry. And I do what I call power... Any power laundry people in here? I do power laundry. I take everything, throw it in the washer, put three pods in it, turn it on the biggest cycle it'll do, hit start. No, no. <laughs> I didn't do that with this shirt, though, because I, you know, I didn't want to. Because Darcy's well again. <laughs> well, she's well again, yes. She's feeling much better. Uh, but, but that, you know, that's, that's how I did laundry this week. So my selfie, if you saw it, didn't have laundry in the back. Well, it did have a little laundry in the background. Um, but shallow and small amounts can provide relief. But shallow all the time can leave us empty. Shallow in some relationship, just, it, it, it just makes us polite, which is, which is okay, I guess, but shallow in every relationship can make us lonely. 
Let me say that again. Shallow in every relationship can make us and others lonely. So it's okay to be shallow, but it's just not okay to always be shallow. I think most of us know that if you live a too shallow life for too long, things come undone. It can lead to destruction and other loneliness and things that we even self-destruct if we allow that to be too much of our lives. Um, you know, if we, leave, if we leave, teach kids and students or allow them to live a shallow life, allow them to do that, I know where that will lead them, and it's not good. Um, but, and so what do we do with this? We want to unpack this idea because, you know, a shallow approach to life um, can rob us, I believe, of the kind of um, uh, impact that we'd want to have and give teenagers and, and kids hope. Um, but before we get into unpacking, like, what hope looks like and to do that, but I want to kind of continue to un, uh, flesh out and, and develop this idea of shallow. What does that look like? And often sometimes when you study something, um, looking at the opposite of it can help you g- gain clarity around what that thing is. And I think the literal opposite of shallow would be deep, right? Like, okay, let's go deeper. Like, well, what does that look like? And I, th- I think sometimes in church we look at the culture. The culture around us is shallow. It's shallow out there. And so within the church, we're deep. And we, and we go deep theologically or like in our spiritual practices, we're deep in our worship, like we're deep. And, but I wonder in some ways, is that just another mask for being shallow? And if maybe deep just in itself is not the best word to describe what's the opposite of being shallow. I wonder if maybe we'd use the word personal. You see, think about it. it, it shallow is fast. Personal takes time. And if you really think about it, shallow is easy, but personal is complicated. Shallow, it's easy to be safe. Personal, though, is risky. Shallow is certain, but personal is unresolved. Shallow, you just be dismissive. It's okay. Like, you're not going to see him again. Dismissive. But personal is honest. Shallow is something very familiar, but personal is unpredictable. Shallow costs money. But personal really costs me. It, it cost me money last week when I bought you coffee, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it also cost you time, which we <laughs> spent together, and it was good. Okay, yeah, that was good. That was good. And Well, you bought me Carl's Jr., though, yeah, so we're we, even. We went back and forth. I got the better deal out of that one, I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, wait. <laughs> Carl's Jr., I got, you know, I did, I no, just, it was good both times. I just realized so. that. <laughs> it's my turn next time? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you don't typically have to work at being shallow. That's the whole point. You don't have to work at being shallow, but you do have to work at being personal. And that's why one of the best things any adult can possibly do is begin to show up. But there's a word I want to I want to specify and emphasize is show up consistently. See, it's it's great to have people volunteer once a month on usher team or greeter or whatever, but kids week in and week out need other adults in addition to their parents or their guardians in their lives consistently. And if we can make a commitment to be consistent, in students' lives, it makes a difference. See, the result of shallow ministry is, is kind of disillusionment, but the result of personal ministry is hope, it's caring, it's compassion, it's love for those students and others that we serve. See, the best example that we have is Jesus, right? The best example of, of becoming personal was Jesus. Jesus made it personal. See, Jesus showed up in a religious community that was all about rules and regulations. They were impersonal. They were all shallow. 
And, I, and there's so many of our students that show up to church and they think it's all about the rules and it's all about following these guidelines. And really what they want is they want someone to be personal with them. See, Jesus became personal. He became so personal. He became human to prove that God loves people. Jesus became human to show people how to love God. Jesus became human to show people how to love other people. See, he showed us, and what does he say? He says, they'll know you, not by what big show you put on at church, not by the cool, you know, the cool boxes that look like Mario Brothers and Tetris and all those things. They'll know you by your love. He became personal so that we could become personal. See, he touched people with diseases when nobody else would. He spoke respectfully to scandalous women when no one else would, would even look at them. He wept at the tomb of his best friend. He broke the rule to get someone out of trouble. He met leaders privately in the middle of the night because if they met in the day, they would have lost everything. He washed the feet of his disciples when all of us probably look at Jesus and go, why did he wash theirs? They should have been washing his. He invited himself to a wild party. In fact, they called him a party animal in the Bible. Jesus was a party animal. He played with toddlers and junior hires. He called them over to him. In fact, what did he say when he called them over? He said to his disciples, be like these guys. Have their kind of faith. Why, Why did he do it? Because he wanted to set the best example for us. He wanted to set the best example for us so that we could see average humans, not as average humans, but as amazing. See, he honored those who were disgraced. He befriended those who were marginalized. He embraced those who were rejected. He forgave those who were shunned, and he believed in those who were broken. When you're at camp with 375 high school kids, it has to get personal. And when you hear high school kids use these same words that I feel disgraced, I feel marginalized, I feel rejected, I feel shunned, I feel broken, you have to stop and get personal. See, Jesus did this. He came to save everyone. But Jesus never got so busy trying to save everyone that he didn't stop to help someone. There's so many stories through the gospel accounts that people that saw what Jesus did and listened to him wrote it down of personal interactions that Jesus had with people. I'd encourage you, take some time this week to read through a gospel account and think through it through the lens of how is Jesus personal with the people that he interacted with? Jesus was personal. He, he, you know, there's this one well-known story of this tax collector, this greedy tax collector, and, and he hears that Jesus is coming into town. And so he runs up ahead and he climbs up a tree. This little wee man was he. Anybody so he know that? climbed up in a sycamore, <laughs> sycamore tree, tree to see what he could see. <laughs> the story of Zacchaeus. Nate and I went to the same Sunday school <laughs> class. I'm just <laughs> I was maybe a few grades younger. <laughs> <laughs> a few? <laughs> uh, you notice we're twinsies today? Oh, we are twinsies. He has hair. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, what did Jesus do, though, in that interaction? Zacchaeus climbs up. Everybody else knows about who, who he is. Zacchaeus is this notorious businessman. He's, he's disgraced his own people to cheat them out. What did Jesus do? He stops. He spots him. He calls him by name. And he says, I'm coming to your house. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat dinner with you. Could you imagine the rumors that were spread of everybody else in the whole town? Everybody else is like, they're talking about what Jesus did, just did. They're like, wait, wait, wait. Why is Jesus showing so much favoritism to that guy? Doesn't Jesus know that, that what that guy has done to our family? What is this? Like, how is that even possible? Like, no, 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 no. Like, what good can come out of spending time with that guy that has done so much harm to our community? Could you imagine the rumors? It was clear when Zacchaeus climbed down from that sycamore tree that no one in the crowd saw him the way that Jesus did. The, see, the, the crowd saw a man who was driven by personal greed. The crowd saw a man, an individual who would use anybody to get ahead. The crowd saw someone who had hurt their community. But not Jesus. Jesus saw a man with intrinsic worth. Jesus saw a man who reflected God's image. Jesus saw a man with fascinating abilities and ginormous potential. And Jesus sees us that same way. And he sees our kids that same way. He sees them with intrinsic worth. He sees them in God's image. And he sees them with abilities, abilities and ginormous potential. See, Jesus never let the public opinion of Zacchaeus change how he saw him. And he's never going to let the public opinion about how we see our teenagers and our young people today change how he sees them. See, Jesus does see them as wonderful and amazing and made in his image. And they're not to be dismissed. They're not to be set aside and wait till they grow up. They're to be invested into today. See, Zacchaeus' personal encounter with Jesus was transformational. And, and I think ours with our teenagers need to be too. That personal interaction with one man, your personal inter interaction with one student, can change that student's life. And Jesus' interaction with Zacchaeus changed an entire community's lives. Think about it this way. Jesus' interaction with Zacchaeus ultimately changed how everyone saw Zacchaeus. But not only that, better yet, Jesus' interaction with Zacchaeus changed the way that Zacchaeus saw himself. It's transformational. Zacchaeus' perspective and character changed so much that Jesus said, today in your home, salvation has come. Jesus implied that something had happened immediately in Zacchaeus' life that would not just change that moment, but it would change the entire future of Zacchaeus and his whole family. See, that's the effect of an encounter with Jesus and how he sees someone and interacts with somebody and is personal with someone. It's as if he was saying, you were living an empty, lonely, shallow life. But now that I'm here, you can start living with a different kind of hope. We need to remember that the gospel is meant to be personal. Maybe we should take our cue from Jesus and stop limiting the gospel only to what happens when some, after somebody dies. Maybe it's helpful to remember the personal encounter and how that can impact someone's living now. At the end of Zacchaeus' story, Jesus clarifies the idea even further. See, he reminds us of his mission. He says it's written, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. This one phrase, scholars actually argue, is the whole summation of Luke. It's the whole thing of why Luke was written about what Jesus was about, is that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Linked right there in Zacchaeus' story. Zacchaeus, see, he had lost his identity until Jesus called him 
and said, hey, come down out of that tree. Zacchaeus had lost his sense of belonging until Jesus said, hey, let me come over to your house. Let me spend time with you. Zacchaeus had lost his sense of purpose until Jesus saw him in a different way than the crowd had seen him. You see, then Zacchaeus had hope. He began to realize his potential to be a part of a remarkable story, a story where a greedy tax collector could turn into one of the most generous men alive. Don't miss this. What Jesus did for Zacchaeus was personal. He pulled Zacchaeus out of the crowd so that he could spend time with him individually. And get this, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to die for everyone. And he stops to send, spend time with Zacchaeus, I believe to remind you and I that this mission that Jesus was on to save the whole world, it has to be personal. It's meant to be personal. And as the church, and, and the church, and we mean this great building, we mean this Barnes and Noble, old Barnes and Noble, we've converted into a church, and we have another campus over there that's a great building, but that's not what the church is made up of. And what Jesus is asking us to do is as the church, we should make it personal. The church should make it personal. The church needs more leaders to learn how to be personal because too many of our kids feel invisible. They feel ignored. See, we have an epidemic in our country right now. You guys read the statistics. You see them when you're scrolling on your Facebook or your Instagram, and you see this stuff. The epidemic is this. Bullying is an all-time high. Emotional abuse is at an all-time high. Depression is at an all-time high. Self-harm is at an all-time high. Suicide is at an all-time high with our, with our young people today. And here's the interesting fact about that statistic is the number goes up, and the age of the, of the kid goes down. It's starting younger and younger than ever before. If we think these issues are going to be resolved by, by only doing deeper worship songs and, and having more reflective worship, that's probably not true. Those are good things, and we need to do more of them. If we think it's going to go down by doing deeper Bible studies and, and getting into the Greek and the Hebrew languages with our students, those are good things, and we do do that kind of thing with our students, but it's not going to change. Deeper theological discussions, learning, you know, learning how, they, how the Palestinians built their buildings and their architectural designs, that's all cool and, and well, but our kids need personal. See, what they need is they need somebody to get on a knee say, what's your name? Tell me your name. What school do you go to? Do you have a girlfriend? Because you're a little young for a girlfriend. They want personal. They don't want shallow we desperately need to redefine what it means to be deeper and invite a generation of people, of young people, to be more personal. We, you, myself, we need to make it more personal. Your next fill in the blank is this. It says you should make it more personal. You should make it. But instead of writing you to fill in the blank, put your name there. Put your name there. Put, put Dave there. Well, if your name's Dave, put Dave there. And then, and then right next to it, put a, put a line like this, you know, you know and, then, and, then, and then put a name of a student or put the name of a young person, a young adult that needs a mentor, that needs a coach, that needs somebody just to be personal in their lives. Um, if you look closely, you know, there are kids um, that need to be seen beyond the crowd. They need somebody in their everyday life helping them to, d to define how to navigate life. They need us to see their private doubts. 
what's paralyzing them. They need somebody to speak into that they have got a potential future that is greater than what they're living now. They need a Jesus, need what Jesus did for Zacchaeus. But Jesus sent us. We are to do that. See, and they need they need us to invite them out of the crowd and make it personal. See, you and I can't really be personal with a crowd. You can only be personal with a person. We can put on a good show as a church. We can we can make the lights go crazy. Really, you guys saw them today. Like they'll do some really awesome, amazing stuff. But a kid wants to be called by name. A kid wants to be pulled out of the crowd. You saw the joy on the faces of our students that were up here and how awesome that was for them. Most of those students won't forget that. But remember, you can't really be personal with the crowd. You can only be personal with a person. Another way, I'll flip it just slightly, is that you can't be personal with everyone, but you can be personal with someone. I would love to know every single kid that's back here on the weekends. We average over 200 and I think 30 kids right now is like at a high. That's a lot. I would love to know and care for all of them, but I can't. But I can know some. You can know some. Someone should know them. Think about what Jesus did for Zacchaeus. Jesus identified Zacchaeus in a way that communicated value. Jesus instinctively addressed what mattered to Zacchaeus. Jesus took the time to enter into Zacchaeus' everyday context. And Jesus responded to Zacchaeus in a way that removed the shame. Jesus believed in Zacchaeus' potential to do good. What if you could do the same for someone else? You see, if we have 60 kids in children's ministry and we have five leaders, that's not effective. We can't get personal. If we have if we have sixty if we have sixty kids in in youth ministry and only four leaders show up, that's not effective. We can't get personal. We need to make it personal. You and I need to make it personal. Um, I'll also add this. When you're gathered in a crowd like this, it's easy to navigate to shallow. Who's there for you? Are you connected in a small group? And not just that you attend, but that you're connected with somebody or a group of people in a way that they know what's going on in your own life. You see, this idea of it's personal goes way beyond just what we do for kids and students. It affects all of us. And I believe the model that the the example in which Jesus set for all of us, I want to basically we're praying that is elevated today. That in what we do as a church body, as we go wider and we see more and more people coming on a weekend, that we don't forget how Jesus interacted with others. That that model, that example is set for us to then do and to care and to love for other people. There are teachers in this community that struggle with a 1 to 35 plus ratio of students in their classrooms and PTAs and parents that are struggling to do what they're doing. Moms, single moms trying to do whatever they can. And no one is there to be there to be Jesus for them. We are called to do something about it. We are asking you to step in to do something now to figure out how you can step in and serve at this church on Sundays or come on midweek, to do what you can in your community. There are nieces and nephews that you might have in your group, uh, grandkids that you have. Who comes to mind? 
that needs Jesus, needs someone to make it personal for them. That's what this message is all about. Realizing that in order to bring hope to a hopeless generation, to fix what's broken, we have to carry that banner of love to be Jesus to other people around us. So our our call to action today, and this has been a little bit of an infomercial about children's and youth ministry for a reason, and I applaud that our church will set aside an entire Sunday to highlight our students and our kids. It's it's one of our four priority ministries at this church, and, and, and it's not a church that just says that. It's a church that does it. You can be proud of the leadership at Bay Hills because they invest in our students and our children more than any other church I've ever seen. So we're, our call to action is this little flyer is in your bulletin today, and we want you to pull it out and start waving it around. But we want you to stop waving it around and actually sit here and you fill it out. And you have four options. Put your name, email address, or the email address on there and then your phone number. But also you can do preschool, middle school, elementary, high school. You know, Jesus, Jesus hung out with the toddlers and he hung out with the middle schoolers. And I know on today's world, sometimes there's not a lot of difference. Some of you got that. <laughs> but we, we don't need you. Nate and I don't need you. We're good at what we do. But you know who needs you? Our students need you. Our children need you. God needs you to step up and work with these kids. Nate's going to close us out in prayer, and then we're going to get the worship team back up here. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Um, God, help us to be reminded of, of the example you set in Jesus for us. That we are to take our cue from Jesus and how he lived and interacted with the people that he did with when he was here on, on earth. And God, so help us to learn and study, but not just leave it there, but help us to act and live differently. Help us to well up with love and care and to realize how other people have done it for us to then us to respond and do it for others. Help it to guide our hearts and our minds to where we can love and care and be personal with someone. Help us to see how to, to say what it is that they need to hear. Help us to, to, to inv- in get involved in their life and their everyday context of what's going on with them so that they're heard, to create a safe place where they can belong. So God, help us as a church be personal. Help us individually to be personal. God, and, uh, we, there are so many people in this community that need you. And so God, help us to, to, to ring that rally cry to reach more people for you. And God, but we need you. We need your love in our own lives so that we can then live that out for other people. We thank you and we pray these things in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm.